Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning into the show. You've tuned into a great one. I finally got on my show, Dave Stahoviak on my show. Who's Dave Stahoviak? Well, he is the founder of Coaching for Leaders and the tremendous podcast, Coaching for Leaders. Many of you probably already know who he is. I know we get a lot of cross-bleed audience, but his show is top-notch. Of course, I'm proud of Dose of Leadership, but I know it's a good show, but his is the best. I really uh, aspire to be like him someday. I'm not kidding. I mean, I've, I've admired him from afar for a long time. He's a great interviewer. He knows his stuff about leadership. He's just as passionate, if not more passionate about leadership than I am. And again, it's just top-notch. His website is top-notch. I can't say enough good things about him. So go check him out. After you listen to this episode, subscribe, rate, and review uh, to his podcast and check him out at coachingforleaders.com. You can find out all that information there. He started uh, with Dale Carnegie uh, for about 15 years, cut his teeth coaching, learning the ropes there. He's on his own, been on his own for quite a while. He's got a great practice down there in Southern California in Orange County. And uh, I can't say enough about him. Just a solid individual, and you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So grab a pen and paper and be ready to be inspired and learn something. Uh, There's always something to learn, and uh, and Dave does not disappoint in this episode. All right, uh, this show is brought to you by my services here. I I just finished up a 12-month coaching and consulting contract with a company in North Carolina where we turned their managers into leaders, and I gave, you know, help the CEO gain a tremendous amount of time freedom so he can become more strategic and focus on intent and focus on scaling. And I'm looking to do that again. So if you're in an organization, you have an organization and you're working in an organization where you're looking to develop a culture of leaders, where you're trying to spread the leadership responsibility throughout the entire organization while I'm your guy. Look, all businesses are faced with unprecedented leadership challenges today. So it's important that you retain all your top performers with this low unemployment rate. You know, it's critical that you hang on to your top performers you know you've got the the social challenges of of diversity and then and, and the, the the five distinct generations and harassment and all those things it demands a greater range in how people need and expect to be laid led and developed you know and with glassdoor and indeed.com anyone and everyone can see what's wrong with your company with a click of a mouse all of this boils down to an urgent need for an effective and sustainable leadership development program and that's where i come in so if you become dissatisfied with the status quo, mediocre results, my leadership training is a refreshing and effective dose of common sense, time-tested principles. You hear me talk about them on the show all the time. These principles have proven to deliver lasting behavior change in individuals and effective culture improvement overall. That is what I specialize in. I don't have flavor of the month methodologies. I don't rely on these cumbersome process improvement management techniques. I focus on common sense, time-tested principles, programs that are focused inward, streamlining your current system, redeploying your already existing talent. You don't need a bunch of additional resources to work with me. I'm very selective in who I work with. However, it might be a real possibility that we might not be a fit. But if we were a match, I guarantee that our combined forces would produce an amazing result. No matter what we do, regardless of the program or the method we use, at the core, I will help you create a leadership culture of decentralized decision-making where the leadership responsibility spread throughout the entire organization where the senior leadership and the senior leaders become effective at strategy and intent 
and the middle and below become experts of empowered execution. That is my secret sauce, creating this decentralized control, this organization where everybody's asking for permission instead of forgiveness, and the senior leaderships are maniacally focused on what we want to accomplish and why. Find out more at doseofleadership.com. Watch a short little video that explains it all, and you can connect with me directly. I'd love to hear from you. All right, without further ado, this great conversation with Dave Stahoviak, the founder of Coaching for Leaders, here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Dave, I'm so excited to have you on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show. Richard, thank you so much for the invitation. Glad to be here. I've been really looking forward to this. Uh, I know uh, you've been kind of in my circle, or at least I've been a part of Dose of Leadership behind the scenes for me for a long time. I mean, this show is going to be seven years old in January, and I think your show is a couple years older than mine. And I know when I was launching this show, you were one of the guys I looked to to kind of emulate and mentor. So it's exciting to finally to, to meet you and talk to you in person. Well, I'm really honored as well. Uh, when you and I talked for the first time recently, I had the thought of shame on me that I haven't reached out to you sooner because <laughs> I've known of your show and known of you for a long time. So the privilege is mine to get to be here. And I'm really excited to have this conversation. I would imagine we have some bleed over uh, uh, people in the audience because just like I think you pointed out, I know when I look for your show on Apple Podcast, uh, there's other subscribers listen to, and then there's my show and vice versa. So, but if you haven't, or the listeners, if you haven't found Dave's show, I encourage you, I'm going to do it right up front. Uh, Coaching for Leaders is an excellent podcast and something you should probably subscribe to. Uh, you do a top notch, Dave. And again, um, you got a great radio voice, a great soothing voice, and your content is just top notch. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, but please, listeners, don't check out yet. Listen to this full interview before you go rate and subscribe Dave's podcast. Well, thank you for the kind words, Richard. I really appreciate it. Well, let's get down to it. You know, I think the one thing I, I like about you is you look at leadership much in the same way that I do. And and I think uh, when I first started, you know, of course, my leadership journey, I think, kind of officially began, I would say, when I was in the Marine Corps over almost 30 years ago. And it wasn't until I got out of the Marine Corps and I saw um, how important relationships uh, empathy, emotional quotient um, is in leadership. And I think when I was first in my, in, in early in my journey, I thought it was more about motivation and influence. And then I kind of realized that influence is about adding value and cherishing relationships. What do you think about when I say that? I'm really glad you brought up your Marine Corps experience because I think that there's a lot that the rest of us can learn who have not had military experience from what is, um, from the culture and the support and the love, dare I say, that um, the members of our armed forces show for each other every single day. And when you put other pe other people's lives in your hand um, each day, as, as you have and so many do, the it, it's not a nice to have, to have trust in relationships. It's a must to have. Mm, amen. And, and in so many organizations, um, those relationships aren't where I think most leaders would like them to be. And the more we can do from a leadership capacity to open up and create relationships that build trust, 
uh, the better. And I'm not, I'm certainly not suggesting every organization should have the culture and the relationships that uh, you would have in a, in a Marine unit. Of course not. That wouldn't be appropriate. Um, yet, I think almost every organization would benefit from certainly leaning in on more trust. And that's something that's central to my work. And I know something you're so passionate about too. Yeah, well said. And I can't agree with you more. And you're right. I think sometimes when well, I know I have when I've approached organizations, pitched them, or even talked about, and you start talking about the Marine Corps, and people kind of, some people recoil because they have a certain perception. And but I, you, you tapped on something, and I agree with you. It's not about trying to make an organization like the, the Marine Corps culture, but is extracting a certain element that you touched on there, which was um, it doesn't work unless it is all about the trust. And every of all the organizations I've worked in, or even coached with um it was the marine corps that was really everything they did when it was firing all cylinders everybody was it was all about intentionally trying to rebuild that trust and not violate that trust and when it was violated it was the 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 deal of all big deals right and and you're right and i wish if more organizations would kind of put that value on there i think too often organizations they, they kind of focus like most of us and i think this is why a lot of people don't dive into the leadership pools because we're focused on, I don't know, the, the, the candy or the aesthetics of leadership and what we see in culture and TV and which we've all been guilty of trying to do. And it's trying to be that larger than life presence, right? And, and, and be a, a motivating force. And then the reality is the more that you kind of focus on yourself and being that influential kind of leader with love, right and building trust that's when things really start to happen that's my take on it anyway what do you think yeah yeah indeed and i think one lesson that we can all learn i mean there's so many lessons to learn from what the military does well around leadership and and one of them is just clear purpose clear intention mm, yeah. um you know we could have good debates all day long about the politics of what goes on in uh, military conflicts around the world and there's cases to be made on all sides and uh one thing the military does well at least our military is a pretty clear on what the purpose is and the mission is and commander's intent and yeah. um and that's a discipline the military has has really gotten good at by and large uh where we don't where i think it varies more is in a lot of organizations um some organizations are extremely clear on what their purpose is what they're trying to do for customers where they are heading how they are serving people and in those organizations trust and relationship buildings becomes easier because everyone's working toward a common purpose and a clear goal where it breaks down and is harder to build trust is when that's not clear. Yeah. It's not clear what we're trying to do. It's not clear what the five-year plan is. It's not clear how we're trying to serve customers. And I think that that makes it, it it's still possible to build those trusts and relationships in that culture. But I think it's a lot harder yeah. than if you have a really clear intention. Yeah. If you, um, boy, I, 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 that hit home to me in spades when I was, um, laid off Americans started working in the corporate arena and um, struggling with, you know, organizations that didn't have the purpose and, and didn't have a why and what are we trying to do? And, you know, and I was pushing commander's intent, always trying to push the why, but it was like, 
still trying to, you know, stop turnover and, and everybody's things about money. And I remember getting in some heated arguments with some senior leaders and, and it was like, well, we don't pay them enough. They're, we're, we're only going to get a certain amount of individual with this amount that we're paying. And I, I, I said, well, if it's not an option to pay more, then we really should be focusing on creating a culture where people feel like they're part of something unique and something bigger than themselves. And I remember I got, I was kind of almost laughed out of the room, right? <laughs> and I just, I gave, I went back to, the, I, you know, I think someone that does it really well is like enterprise rent a car, right? They don't pay their uh, entry level employees all that much. You know, they get these, they're, they're looking for hard charging college students, college graduates, and they're not paying them a lot, but they promise them something bigger than themselves. They promise them uh, a fast track education on how to run a business. They promise them if they stick with the company, you can be here in five to seven years, right? And I, and the Marine Corps does it. It's all about the culture, too. I mean, what do you think about when you hear me say that? That it's about finding something that's bigger than yourself. It's funny you mentioned this because I actually was I got interviewed by Enterprise Rent a Car when I was coming out oh, of college, <laughs> and yeah, I it was clear that was a hard job, and it was also clear that if you worked that hard job and really leaned in and were willing to learn, that there was a ton of opportunity yeah. for that in the long run, and I, I was really fortunate to have someone from Gallup on the show recently. And uh, Jim Harder at Gallup, they have a oh, new yeah. book out and they've, yeah. they've looked at, you know, what's motivating people today. And, you know, Gallup's just the leader. In, yes. You know, finding the data about what's what's going on as far as engagement and motivation. And, uh, you know, the big thing he said is uh, the, the, the right now in the world, the, the great global dream is to have a is to have a good job. Yeah. And what people are looking for and wanting and and really and and even if they don't say it explicitly like in their hearts so want is they want a job where they're going to learn and grow and be challenged and have someone who's going to invest in them and um and that is there's so much opportunity for so many organizations to do that well and yet um we often default to how can what do we need to do to pay people more or what bonus system do we need to put in um we have an academy member right now who's who's struggling with us on what kind of incentive system are they going to put in their organization and most of the people in the senior leadership team in the organization are of the opinion well we need a bonus program right. and if we put in the bonus program uh we're going to address incentives and the the research is pretty consistent on, on this that uh, you know once you have paying people a fair wage and even a little above ideally than that, that throwing more money at a problem generally doesn't result in behavior change and organizational change. No. Now, no one's going to turn down a raise, no. No. <laughs> right? I mean, all things equal, people are happy to be paid more, but, um, but it's only one of many factors. And for the things around culture, engagement, meaning, purpose that generally doesn't come in the form of getting a larger check for no. most of us it is it's the bigger things it's the trust it's the investment that really make the difference as to how much we show up and engage in our organizations agreed well said and i mean you think about all those you know i'm thinking about the times when i've left organizations i'm thinking about the times where i was trying to get people to stay 
that worked for me. And we threw more money. They said it was money, but then it was temporarily fixed. That they eventually left anyway. Everybody, 100% of the people did. And it always goes back to the culture, right? I know that's why I left every organization I went to. Um, maybe the opportunity was better from a financial perspective, but if I, if you really, if I was honest, it was about the culture. I wasn't happy with the culture and where the direction of the organization was going for the most part. Yeah. And the, 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 the criticism to what we've just said that always comes back is people say, well, when we ask people what they want, uh, they say something like more money and an incentive system. Um, and, and yet a lot of times people don't know what to ask for. Like right. that's the thing that everyone expects and is the easy thing to quantify. So that's what people tend to say. What they often want, but don't say is what you just said, Richard. And and, and by the way, it, there are people out there who truly, you know, a larger check is the difference maker. That's what motivates them. That's what gets them out of bed in the morning. Um, but those, those are, those tend to be fewer and far between. Um, for a lot of us, there is, yes, that's important. And there's a whole bunch of other things that are also very important that really get us to be the kind of employees and the leaders in the organization that I think we really want. Yeah. So how do we, where do we start? How do we start to, to build and maintain great relationships? I mean, how did you um, kind of transform into this being your kind of bread and butter and, and passionate about it. Was there a mistake along the way? Did you did you mess up somewhere along the way? I mean, how how did you get to this point? There's so many times I've crashed and burned. It's not even funny on this. Um, and I, I think there are there's this classic: um, are people born leaders or do they um, right. or do they turn into leaders? And I I I do think there are people in the world who naturally are just really great at relationships and leading and then things just come really naturally to them around this um most of the people i know that's not the case and it certainly wasn't the case for me um uh, you know a lot of mistakes along the way i mean i recall um i was thinking about our conversation i was thinking back to my first full-time management role where i was heading up a, a, a team and uh, like a lot of full-time management roles, I had inherited a few people when sure. I came into the role, and some of them were great, and some of them were okay. And and one person in particular uh, was a mediocre, uh, would be generous. And um, it, it, I think a lot of us have had this employee at some point where. <laughs> yeah. They're they're just good enough, <laughs> right? That you can't really. Uh, like you give them some feedback and they improve slightly, like just enough to kind of like do the minimum standard. Right. But, um, but then, you know, and I would give him the feedback and then, you know, a month would go by and things would kind of like, you know, performance would go down a bit. And then I'd give him some more feedback and he'd get a little better. And it's, uh, it's always so hard <laughs> to handle a situation <laughs> like that. Um, so this went on for like a year and a half. And one day he comes in, and he says, hey, you know, I've got another opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm given my two weeks notice. And, you know, I said all the right things, Richard, of, like, you know, um, thank you for your contribution. Uh, your colleagues are going to miss you because you had several friends in the organization. Uh, but in, in, in my brain, I'm doing the Snoopy dance. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm like, this is like the blessed day I've been waiting for know, for a year and a half, right? Um, so, so he has two weeks left. Because he gave two weeks notice. And 
and the performance went like in the toilet. Oh yeah, <laughs> for the next two weeks. Right, and and we were um, we're an organization where we were serving kids, and and it was about helping kids to learn math and reading skills, and so I what was mediocre suddenly became poor, and he wasn't present with the kids, and he wasn't engaged, and I just became so frustrated. And so the very last day he was working, it was just, he basically wasn't paying attention to our customers and the kids. Um, and it was the last hour of his last shift after, I don't know, he'd been two or three years in the organization. And uh, I, I, I'd had it, Richard. I just absolutely came to the breaking point. Right. And I, I called him into my office um, I, I spent a minute or two telling him what an awful employee he had been <laughs> for, oh, man. for two or three years. Um, all the things I should have been saying all the way along the way, right. um, I communicated in a minute or two and I, I said, get out of my building. Wow. And, and he left and I had the thought after that of like, well, um, I probably could have handled that better and not lost my patience. But I also had the thought like done situation over. Right. Right. What I didn't appreciate is that it was just the start of the challenges that I had um, because he was friends with other people who work for right. me. And uh, it, 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 curiously to me at the time, but now looking back, obvious people stopped talking to me yeah so my employees who were very proactive and very willing to jump in and do things um in the weeks after that got really quiet um people didn't volunteer for shifts wow. uh people didn't stay late anymore um and and it wasn't like people were still doing their jobs the way they should but but there was a noticeable change in tone in the organization and Within a few months, you know, a couple other people left who I really would not have wanted to leave. And I don't know, like, maybe it was related to that. Maybe it wasn't. But the thing that I didn't appreciate was separating the performance from the person. And I, I paid a price for that mistake for probably a year later in that role. Uh, it took a long time to rebuild trust with people who quite rightfully were probably looking at that, at me thinking, well, when's Dave going to lose his cool again in a situation yeah. that, uh, that, that might come up. And that for me was an early lesson that I needed to do a way better job at maintaining relationships and still being able to give performance feedback when I needed to. Yeah. Well, wow. I mean, I'm listening to that and my stomach's in knots because I can totally relate. We've all been there. We've all lost our bearing. And, you know, going a year and a half, not giving effective, proactive feedback along the way, right? We're all guilty of that. And it kind of goes back to that thing where you're trying to take that C and D. I've been burned that way too, trying to take a C and D player and get him to a B and A. And I put so much energy and effort and I avoid the real conversations um, and it's just a lot of wasted energy to the detriment of the A's and B's. And that's exactly what happened to you. You kind of, kind of your A's and B's that when you're there and they saw you lose your bearing like that. And it was just, that's the thing about trust, right? It's like the old John Maxwell kind of example where every time you do something to build trust, if, 
you know, I, I get a, I put a penny in my pocket, right? And it takes a long time for that pocket to get full of, of any meaningful amount of money. And in an instant, I can just empty that pocket within seconds, right? From one action. And that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the, that's the, the cruddy thing about, and the reality about trust, right? And relationships. And, and when you're a leader, everyone's always watching. Even when you so, don't think they're looking at you, they're watching. Abs- right? Absolutely. How you treat the person who's the most challenging person or don't address the problem. Um, at the beginning, that is about them. If you don't handle it well and you don't address an issue in the organization, uh, eventually that becomes about your issue. Well, uh, yeah. If, and and then it did for me and it absolutely was my issue and and then the other part of that too of uh if i went and found that person this is 20 years ago uh if i went and found that person today um guaranteed he wouldn't remember the three years of or however long it was of work it would be the last five minutes of his That's job right. um and the reflection on me and the entire organization from doing one thing to be really um irresponsible in a relationship um and that's that's what he would remember and that's what other people in the organization would remember too it go, it just it reminds me in, in the slapping me in the face of just and i say this all the time but i even got to remind myself even now every day and even with even with kids and all the relationships we have we have way more influence than we than we think right and it's like when you're not intentionally thinking about it we do what you do in that story you gave us Right. And it's in one instant, you can just, it's not just him you're affecting. Right. And you're absolutely right. It's like you, he's only going to remember that. And when you do lose your bearing, it it does all become about you. No matter what problem you're trying to solve, that goes out the window. And it all of a sudden, it just becomes about you. And everybody's just reacting not to make dad mad anymore. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so to loop back to your earlier question of, um, you know, what have I done differently? Um, so a lot of this is just learning through failure and, and, and being able to get some exposure to better ways to do things. Um, and I was fortunate to have a 15 year career with Dale Carnegie and to oh, be an instructor man. for yeah. many of the wonderful things Carnegie teaches. And one of Carnegie's lessons that I've always uh, appreciated and tried to uh, implement every day is um, the lesson from the book, how to win friends and influence people, mm-hmm. which is try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. Uh, how can I, to the best extent I can as a human being um, to put my, my um, self in this person's shoes and think of if I was in their situation, what would I want be likely thinking be concerned about, um, aspire to, be fearful of. And if I can take two minutes, maybe even a minute to stop and think before I go into almost any interaction right. and do that, um, it's remarkable how different the conversation is because then I am going in not to be served, but to serve. And, and if I can do that well, hopefully, um, I can find a outcome and a path forward that serves both parties well versus just thinking about my own interests, which is what our natural human uh, tendency is for all of us. At least for me. I shouldn't say all of us, well, but that's my, I, t- I, my natural tendency. Well, it's mine too. And I think almost everybody I come across, and, and it's interesting when I 
you know, of all the conversations that I've had on this show, it's almost been like a uh, a doctorate in life and leadership. And, and that's one thing that a consistent theme is as we're all kind of going up those, you know, we start becoming intentional about leadership. You know, we get that position, that title, and that lasts just, you know, for a second. And we get over that and we start doing the real job of leadership. And it does start becoming, oh, this is about all of them. It's not about me. And at some point, if you're going to you know, get up to the level three, four, and five. We're always kind of tooling around in level two and three, four, and five. Five is kind of the, the we may never get there until maybe after we're gone, right? But, you know, and, and our legacies kind of continues on, hopefully. But when we're we're kind of tooling around in that those that third level, at some point, the, the emotional quotient piece has to come into play. And that's what's so great about what Carnegie is saying in there and the lessons there. It's like, it, if you're going to be an effective leader, at some point you're going to have to exercise that EQ muscle and start trying to put yourself in other people's shoes. And that is a keystone to, to, to I think, transitioning into real leadership. I really do think it's a fundamental keystone that drives setting the example. It, it, it drives your own self-awareness and, and introspection, right, and humility. If you don't have that, ability to put in put yourself in somebody else's shoes i don't think you can ever get there you know i think you, you'll you stay stagnant in the lower levels of leadership i don't know i i love what you said yeah and what you just said reminded me of another part from carnegie um once in a while when i would teach courses for carnegie and the so many of the courses are built upon the famous bestseller of how to win friends and influence people right um one a couple of times a year i'd get the question in a class in a group of people someone would say well couldn't you read that book how to win friends and influence people and couldn't you take those skills and use them to manipulate people and the first few times i got that question i I really kind of had to think about that and i ultimately came to the conclusion of Yes, absolutely. Any of those skills that Carnegie teaches or any of the other great teachers out there teach about human relationships, absolutely, you could use those to manipulate people yeah. if your heart isn't in the right place. Um, and so I, I got to thinking about, well, what's the difference between then manipulation and and having a good relationship? And the conclusion I've come to over the years is that if my goal is manipulation, that I want to win and I don't care if you win or not. Right. And, and then there's the opposite of that too, which is actually just as bad, just different, which is you win or you win a lot and I don't ever win in a relationship. And, that breeds resentment right. over time. And neither of those extremes are healthy. Um, now, that said, like every relationship, like marriage, uh, relationships with kids, friends, coworkers, uh, there's going to be times when one party is going to win more in particular interactions, right? And, right? and should, because that's just the nature of, of human relationships. But as a whole, like over the course of the relationship, are we both getting what we need. And if we are both getting what we need, then we don't have one person who's manipulated and someone else who's feeling resentful that we 
have the kind of relationships where how do we find the way where where we both can have this relationship be sustainable and i think the tendency at least for me and for the people in our listening community who tend to be really mindful about good leadership and serving people and have a great heart is sometimes to fall into that resentment trap of I'm going to spend a lot of time giving to others, but I'm not necessarily going to make sure that I also get what I need. And I think that that is a really important part of a good human relationship, both professionally and personally, is to make sure both parties get what they need and that you're clear on expectations and that you both win. And that if you both win, then that that for me is the key to sustainability. Yeah, I like everything that you said. I mean, it reminds me of, you know, kind of the old adage from thinking about comic books, it's like using your powers for good instead of evil, right? And it's developing the abundant mindset. And you're right, and getting to, you know, I love how you you uh, spelled out the balancing act between resentment and manipulation. I've seen that because I think an important step, if I'm going to be a leader, it is about adding value to somebody else. If, if I'm going to be a person of influence, I need to selflessly add value and not expect anything in return. And what I what I find is that you you get all those things come back in in abundance to you, right? Yeah, yeah. In, in the long run, they do. And so you start with being selfless and taking the time to ask questions. And when we do that well, almost always. I mean, it's not my experience. Is almost always like great things come back from that. exactly. Um, right. And and if they don't. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of opportunities to do it in other right. places. Um, it's uh, so it's it's about that leading with that intent of I'm going into this relationship with the intention to learn and discover and to at least open the door for a long term connection. Um, right. Which which is. Which actually maybe leads back to like another place for us to start is I, I think that um, the that just begs the question like well where do I start yeah, right. <laughs> right like we all want that like everyone wants to have good solid trusting deep meaningful relationships uh, the win wins the all the things we were just talking about but like on a practical level if I run into another parent at our kids. Um, football game or if i um, am going to a networking event or i meet the colleague for the first time like what do where do i even start um and where i have i i I, and i've changed my mind on this over the years too is i like most people i want to have really good deep meaningful conversations and relationships with people all day long if i could (laughs) Yeah. Um, and and of course, like most of the most conversations in life are not those right. um, because of the daily realities and doing business and all the other things. And um, but if I want to get to that point, I have to start with first the small talk. And a, a lot of us bristle. I know I bristle at like the term small talk of like, you know, talking to people about the weather or um, learning about what they what their work is and, and those kinds of things. But I but I've come to the conclusion in trying and failing many times is you can't get to big talk until you do small talk. Agreed. That it in in virtually every relationship there's a starting point of just having some 
rapport building, of doing small talk, of asking things about the weather and that kind of thing. And that seems really meaningless a lot of times in the big picture of like the kind of relationships a lot of us want to build. And, and yet you don't get further unless you start there. And it's nobody would go on a first date and propose. <laughs> I mean, I suppose someone does that, but, uh, it, but we know, like we sort of know that instinctively in the most important relationships in our lives and our, our marriages and partnerships. And yet a lot of times in other relationships, we don't think to take the time to first just begin and to build rapport. And sometimes that goes further and sometimes it doesn't, but it opens the door to be able to go further. Whereas if we don't even attempt that, I think that we often close the door before we even have the chance to start. I love what you said. And uh, I agree. I think, you know, starting with that small talk and I think it's, um, we, it's almost like with anything, we want the instant gratification we want to get from here to there. And if we're honest, we're thinking about, I'm thinking about what can I get out of this relationship? If you can kind of almost like, okay, I really want to be curious and learn about this individual, right? It starts with the small talk and you start listening and just be present with them and try to figure out what are they all about, right? It has to start yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and you, you said a key word there a moment ago, Richard, which I, I, I want to reinforce, which is curious. Like, how do I be curious about this person? And I think the stopping point for a lot of us is I don't want to be creepy because right. we've all had that person come up to us at a networking event or in a professional situation, or we run into at our kid's school who all of a sudden starts like asking like lots of kind of creepy questions like, well, what do you do? And they're like really <laughs> right. very uh, like, not in a, like, like, who are you? <laughs> and none of us want to be that person right and so we're but we then tend to err on like not having a conversation at all um so here's what i found that works for me on how to be curious genuinely but not to veer into the creepy is i tend to ask i tend to start with really broad questions and one question that i've found that i uh, that's really worked well for me is um uh, what keeps you busy that's a good question. Yeah, I like that. Uh, or, or, and, and I found that I can ask that in almost any context. If I'm at church on Sunday, I can ask, you know, what keeps you busy during the week? Um, if I'm in a professional uh, situation, you know, what keeps you busy outside of work? Um, and th the reason that question for me works so well is people can answer it however they want. Exactly. That's such a great question. If yeah. they want to talk about their kids, great. Um, then you can ask the follow-up question about kids, and it's not creepy, right? Because they've opened the door. Right. Um, because I, I, I try never to ask someone a question about kids or family unless they've opened the door, because I never know what the story exactly. is going there could on be something. Yeah, that's a, that's a delicate oh, one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, and, and our family's been through challenges with infertility and all that. Like, yeah. there's so many landmines you can land on there without even. Um, knowing that you're landing on them. Um, yeah. And and what I found that's helpful is wherever they take the conversation, you know, they say, oh, you know, um, what's keeping me busy right now is this great volunteer work I'm doing. Oh, tell me, yeah, tell that, me about the organization you're volunteering with. a whole with. new door, yeah. Yeah, and then we can have a whole conversation about that. And I just follow wherever they go. Yeah, I love and, it. 
And then one of two things happens. Either we have a nice conversation and we never have a conversation again, or that opens the door then to rapport and them starting to ask questions. And then all of a sudden, then we're moving past the rapport stage and we start to build a relationship. And then that's wonderful too. Great stuff. I'm looking at the clock and that's unfortunately, I know you got a hard meeting here in six minutes and I know I got a guy here doing an estimate and I, I can hear my dogs barking in the background. I don't know if you heard the dogs barking or not, but um, I, could talk no, I, to didn't. You, I could talk to you forever about this stuff. We're going to definitely have to do this again, but um, what's next for you? How can people get in touch with you and, and, and tell, you know, give a little plug for, for your work and what you do? Well, thanks. Um, my, the podcast is Coaching for Leaders. My work is helping leaders to get better through great conversations. And uh, coachingforleaders.com is the hub for everything. And it's a great, it's a great resource. And it's, again, I'm, as a mentor, I, I'm trying to follow your path from a marketing and website and podcast perspective. It's been a true honor to have you on the show. Um, I'll have links to all this in the show notes. And I encourage everybody to go check out Dave's podcast and connect with him. Um, and I'm an honor to have you in the Dose of Leadership Tribe, Dave. It's, a, it's a, so glad to finally have met you. Thank you for the privilege to be part of this conversation. I'm super grateful for it, and I can't wait to our next chat. Yeah, first one of many, I'm sure. This has just been great. Thanks for coming on the show. Indeed. Let's do it again. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Dose of Leadership. I do appreciate your support. If you could do a couple of things for me, go subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast app. Go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. And if you could do that for me, I would truly appreciate it. Also, if you're interested in working with me, if you're interested in some team leadership training, go to doseofleadership.com and check out Legacy Leader Blueprint. I understand how difficult it can be to get effective leadership training for your team. It never seems like you have the time or the budget. My course, Legacy Leader Blueprint, solves that problem. Quality leadership training that doesn't disrupt your busy schedule or break your budget. 20 high-impact videos and 6 hours of live group coaching with me that will allow you and your team to become true leaders of influence. I will teach you how to defeat mediocrity and stagnation, create high-impact cultures of initiative, and build empowered teams with high degrees of trust. Go check out doseofleadership.com, click on Legacy Leader Blueprint, and enroll your team today. My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once with like basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas.